Good morning, everybody. This is Vision Sunday. So I'm going to be talking about uh, the vision that God's given us as a church. And the first thing that I just want to be really clear about is that we are all about Jesus. That this isn't about us. Um, we don't exist for us. We don't primarily exist for you. Primarily, we are here for Jesus. And we want to keep Jesus front and center. We want to make sure that we don't ever forget that it's really all about Jesus. We're here to tell people about Jesus. We're here because of what Jesus has done for us. We're here to worship Jesus and spread the good news of Jesus because this is his church. So um, we, we like to say that we're gospel-centered. And what we mean by that is that we're Jesus-centered. That, that everything that, that we do revolves around the message of Jesus. The good news about Jesus. And so I want to start this morning with the good news of Jesus. Because I don't think that we can ever, um, we can ever say what that is. Too much, but let me start out by just explaining what the gospel isn't. The gospel is not that sin makes us bad people, and God helps us to be good people. So, let me just say that again: the gospel is not that sin makes us bad people, and God makes us good people. That's not the gospel. So if that's kind of the, your understanding of the gospel, erase it. Throw it out. That's not it. That is not what the Bible teaches that the gospel is. The Bible does not say that sin makes us bad people. It's worse than that. Okay? It's worse than that. Just to be clear. The Bible says... The sin makes us dead people. Yeah. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says that we are dead in our sins. We're dead in our sins. That God created Adam and Eve in the beginning. He put them in the garden. And they were truly alive. Their spirit was in a perfect relationship with God. And that's what it means to be truly alive. God created us to be in relationship with him. And we relate to him by our spirit. And when he made Adam and Eve, they were in relationship with him. They were truly alive. And he told them, eat of the fruit of any tree in the garden. But if you eat of this one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will surely die. And guess what happened? They ate fruit off of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They were deceived by Satan, the serpent. And he tells, he tells them, did he say you can't eat? Did he really say that? You won't die. You won't really die. 
But the moment they ate of it, the moment they decided to go their own way, they rebelled against God. They determined to go their own way. The curse of sin fell on all of humanity, on all of creation, and they did die. They spiritually died. And every human being who has been born from that time has been born under the curse of sin and therefore unable to relate to God, separated from God because of sin. And so the Bible doesn't say that sin makes us bad people. The Bible says sin makes us dead people. It says in Romans 6, 23, for the wages... The result, the payoff, the wages of sin is death. Death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the story of the gospel. That's the story of the gospel. See, it is so much bigger than just God making bad people better. When you get that he's making dead people alive, it changes things. You don't get over that. You don't just get over that, right? I mean, if we were holding classes here to make people better, you could really easily get over that. that that's, if you went to a class to help you improve as a person, you could easily get over that. But if you were dead... If you were dead and someone came and made you alive, you would never get over that. That is the gospel. That's the good news that we're sharing. And, and that motivates us. That captures us. And so... Let's keep that in mind that we're not sharing a way to improve. This is not improvement. This is new life. New life. Let me read you another passage. Ephesians 2, 1 through 5. It says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins. So are we clear on that? You were dead. In your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, unable, dead, unable to have a relationship with God. Not able to do what we were originally created to do. You were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. We think that's life. Oftentimes we think that's what real life is. That's what we want. We want to be able to just carry out the desires of the body and the mind. We've mistaken that for true life. And we were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind, but God... I love that. Changes everything when it says, but God, right? But God, being rich in mercy 
because of the great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved. Isn't that awesome? We can't work our way into God's favor. So the bad news is really bad news. I mean, if you're dead, you've got problems. But but the worse the bad news, the better the good news. So we don't skip over the really bad news. Because that's what makes this good news so good. We're not just bad. We're dead. Until Christ steps in. Jesus changes everything. Jesus enters the scene. He comes to earth. He lives a perfect, sinless life. Sinless. Perfectly sinless life. And then he dies a death, not not a death that he deserves. He dies a death that we deserve. Right? Not the death that he deserved. He didn't deserve death. Perfect. The Son of God, God in the flesh, walks the earth, and then he dies the death that we deserve, takes our place, and then he's buried and then three days later, he, ro- he rose from the grave, and he's alive today. Jesus is alive, just to be clear. Not like sp- just spiritually alive. He rose bodily. Like physically rose from the grave, and then he ascended into heaven, and he's seated on a throne, and he's ruling the universe. And the Bible says that when we put our faith in him, We are counted as righteous. The righteousness of Christ is credited to us. It's not just that we get a clean slate. It goes beyond that. Our sins are forgiven, washed away. And the righteous life that he lived is credited to us. Man, this good news just keeps getting better, right? It just keeps getting better. And so that, just to be clear, that is why we are all about Jesus. That's why we don't have any problem saying that this is not about you or me. It's about Jesus. He's the reason that we're here. He's the one that we're worshiping. Right? It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. And it's about bringing more people who don't know Jesus into a relationship with him. Because that's what Jesus wants. He died for that. So that brings us to this, our posture here. Yes, we're a family And yes, we help each other. Yes, if there's a need, let's meet it. But we don't want to be focused on just us. 
We don't want to just be focused on us. We don't want this to just become an inward-focused thing. If this is about Jesus, and Jesus is about bringing more and more people into his family, then that's our focus. First and foremost, and, and, and I'm not saying that we don't take care of each other, don't hear me wrong, but, but we're more concerned with the kingdom expanding. That's the mission. This, this is why we exist as a family. It's the whole reason we exist as a family. Sometimes we forget. We, we forget and we just get focused on being a family and being close. And, and we forget the whole reason God wanted a family was so that his glory could spread to the ends of the earth. And so we exist so that we can reach more people with this good news about Jesus. And so our posture is that we aren't turned in on ourselves. We aren't turned in. We're turned out. We want to be outward focused. We want to be concerned with those who don't yet know him, with the people who aren't here, who haven't ever been here, and who have no desire right now to be here. That's who we are thinking about. That's who we're concerned with. And so our methods, our methodology, the way that we do things, comes out of that comes out of that desire to reach more people. You see, methods are flexible. What I mean by that is, you know, how many songs we play. Whether or not we have songs every week. Or whether, if we show a video or not. Or if we have four people up here or two or one or three. Whatever. Or where we meet. Or how I dress. Or who preaches. It's all just methods. I read this morning, I was reading in in the book of Mark. And Jesus gets on to the Pharisees because he says, You know, you honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. You do lip service. And then he says, you teach as doctrine the traditions of men. You teach as doctrine the traditions of men. He's saying, you pass down traditions as if it were God's word. That's deadly. That leads to people whose hearts are far from God. They give him lip service. So we don't. We don't want to teach as doctrines the traditions of men. We don't want to just, you know, well, we've always done it this way. How can you possibly do it another way? It's always been done this way. That Jesus had a problem with that. He had a real problem with that because of what it does to the heart. And so nothing is sacred that we do except for Jesus. Just Jesus. And so if he leads us a different direction, we just follow him. Nothing sacred but Jesus. What Jesus tells us to do, 
where he says to go, we'll follow him. Right? So that's really key. We aren't inwardly focused. When we get inwardly focused, then what happens is we start looking. Then we start, then you get into the big problem of preference. Preference comes out of being inwardly focused. It's like, you know, I, I noticed that. You got a different guitar up there, and I was really liking the old guitar. You know, the old, I worshipped Jesus a lot better with the old guitar, and I got a real problem with that. It's personal preference, guys. It's preference. It's just not it's just not a primary thing. And it's, and it's caused by us just being inwardly focused. Start going, you know, I don't know why they bought these chairs. These are so uncomfortable. I cannot believe they bought these chairs. And they chose black. What's up with black? There is just black everywhere. <laughs> it's, it's not about us. And when we, when we keep that mentality, then... Personal preference just kind of falls to the side because we get focused on those out there and reaching them for Jesus. If we quit reaching people as a church, we die as a church. We, do, we die. That's what happens. Eventually, all of us are going to die And if we quit reaching people and we don't pass the good news on, then the church is gone once we're all dead. We're all headed that direction. And so we have got to keep reaching people. That is, that's what the church is about. Someone, it wasn't someone who's part of this church, so I feel comfortable telling you this. Someone recently came to me and told me, I'm really praying for you guys as a church. It's great. I'm praying that God would um, just increase. That you, you guys would get a little bit bigger, but not too big. <sighs> Please don't pray that for us. Please don't. <laughs> Has anyone seen that verse in Acts where it says, And then all the believers were gathered together to earnestly pray that the church would stop growing because it was just too big. (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't exist. It's not anywhere in the Bible. This is a rescue plan for the whole world. We don't stop because we're like, you know what? We've reached enough people. Okay, we're good. This is the number that Jesus died for here. We're good. Right? We don't do that. If we get too big for our building, we get a bigger building. Or we go to two gatherings. Or we plant another church. Right? We can't get too big. It's the kingdom of God. It's not the kingdom of Valleytown Church. It's his kingdom. And so we'll plant another church. We'll plant a lot more churches. We'll start meeting in multiple places. I don't know, but we'll figure out a way. Do not pray that God would 
not let us get too big. That's not a prayer he wants to hear anyway. He wants more souls for his kingdom. So, we've got to be more concerned with those that we're trying to reach than we are with our personal preference. Right? We, there are legitimate needs in our body, and I'm not talking about that. You understand what I'm talking about, right? There's a difference. I'm talking about getting upset because you don't like the kind of coffee we've been brewing. If that's the case, then bring in some different coffee. You know what I mean? No one's saying that. I'm just... Everybody likes the coffee. It's really good. But anyway, so, so our focus is outward. That's, that's, that's huge because it's about Jesus. It's not about us. I just, I wanted to mention this. Jesus says in Matthew 16, 18 that he says, Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church. And all the powers of hell will not conquer it. If Jesus is building his church, it is a continual thing. And it will not stop. So if you have it in your mind that, man, if they get any bigger, I'm out of here. I have bad news for you. And, and you know what? We're going to make sacrifices. There's going to be sacrifices. It's going to be tighter squeezes sometimes. But... It's not about us. I mean, it's just not about us. It is about Jesus, and he will build his church. So, all right, let me move on. Um, my second point is this. I want us as a church to shift. If we're in the thinking of, you know, the leaders can do it and we can help. If that's your thinking, we need to shift to you can do it and we can help. Let me explain what I mean. Oftentimes there's a mentality that there are clergy and there are laity. They're the professional Christians and then the amateurs. Right? It, it, that's, that's, what, that's the mentality that, that happens. And when you get into that thinking, then it's like, well, let's let the professionals deal with this. If it's an amateur level thing, we'll deal with it. But guys, the Bible says that we are all priests. That we're all responsible for this mission. When Jesus gave the Great Commission, he didn't say, whoever's really, really talented and really good at this thing, go and make disciples. He just said, go and make disciples. He's talking to all of us. The commission is for all of us. He commissioned every believer. Every disciple is a disciple maker. Every disciple is a disciple maker. It's not just for the professionals. There's no professionals. There's no clergy. There's no laity. That there's no division. There's no dividing line. And so it's the leaders of the church are not here to do 
ministry. Let me, let me read you this passage in Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, 11 through 12 says, And he, talking about Jesus, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers, so the leaders of the church, the five, these five roles of leadership in the church, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints, everyone, for the work of ministry. So the leaders, the job of leaders is to equip everyone to do the work of ministry. So I don't even like, I don't like the, the phrase, you know, oh, he's in full-time ministry. Or, because we're all in full-time ministry if we're followers of Jesus. We, it, we don't get to turn that off because we're at work or because we're at home or because we're hanging out with our friends. We are all in full-time ministry. We're all, we are all called to make disciples. This is, this is another reason that it's so crucial that we don't think of this that we do on Sunday morning as church. This is why we are so annoyingly repetitive about the fact that this is a gathering and this is not church. That we are the church. That the church, the word ecclesia in the New Testament, is the word assembly, the assembling or the gathering of the believers. And so church isn't something that you go to or an event that you attend or a building or a social club. The church is a people. It's the family of God. And so when we get that, when we understand that we are the church, this isn't an event that we go to, then we understand that, okay, I have some responsibility in this thing. I am the church. I am the church. It, it's not just that I go to this church. I, I am the church, and therefore I need to be about what the church is about. When I was in high school, during my summers and then in college, during my summers, I, I worked with my dad. He had a, a construction business. He built, he built houses. And I worked with him, and my job was to do whatever needed to be done and that no one else wanted to do, basically. So, you know, I was a trash guy. I swept, you know, houses under construction. Um, I did pressure washing. I cut lawns. You know, just whatever needed to be done. Pulling weeds in the, you know, whatever. All kinds of different things. I was working for my dad. It was his company. Then I finished college and I went through a period of training and after a little period of training I became part owner not that I deserved that but my dad wanted to make me part owner of the company so he made me part owner of the company and when he did something changed for me something shifted for me I started to see everything differently because this wasn't just dad's business anymore. This is, this is our business. 
And so before that, you know, I, if I was really tired, and I was, I remember one time being in a house and having to scrape paint off of something that got on, wasn't supposed to be there. And I'm laying on the floor doing this tedious scraping. And I'm like, I am tired, and where's my dad? I don't know. It doesn't, and I, and I just passed out. I just fell asleep. I don't know how long, because I woke up when his truck pulled back up in the driveway. Dad, if you watch this sermon, I'm sorry for that. <laughs> But that was before I was part owner. See, I didn't have any ownership yet. And then once I, then once I had ownership, I saw everything differently. I wasn't going to sleep on the job. Right? This is our company. And I, and I, started, to, I started to take more and more responsibilities. I wanted to. I got involved in the design of the homes. And I got involved with dealing with customers, because this is our company, right? Well, this is your church. This is this kingdom, the kingdom of God. You're part owner. I don't know if you realize that. It says in Romans 8, uh, I, don't, I don't have this one for the screen, but I thought of it this morning. Anyways, it says... That we are heirs, co-heirs with Christ. Co-heirs. We are adopted into the family. Co-heirs. I think it's Romans 8, 17 if you want to look it up. So you have part ownership in your father's business. And when you realize that, it changes things. You start to see things differently. You start going, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's, let's expand the kingdom, Father. Let's go. And, and then when you see that the church is an expression, the local church is an expression of the global church, we're an expression of the family of God right here. So you have... Part ownership in, in this too. This is your church. And so when you start to see that, it, it changes how you view things. And instead of complaining about something that you don't like, you step up and do something about it. You, you, and you don't want to go to sleep on the job. You want to you help, right? You want to help. So own it. Own it. Own the mission of bringing people into his family. It's, it's our calling. It's all of our calling. God, he wants us to all be involved. Every disciple, a disciple maker. Jesus tells his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. He says, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples. And so that's what we're all about. The call to be a disciple from the beginning starts with, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. From the get-go, the calling to follow him is also a calling to bring in more followers. From from the get-go. So... 
Day one, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Last instructions, go and make disciples. Go make disciples. He, he sends us out with his authority. We don't need any more commissioning than that. We don't need any more ordination than that. We're sent by Jesus. So we've got to own it. All right. I think that I love practical steps. So, so here's a few practical steps toward owning the mission. First practical step I can think of is be a bold witness. Just, just in your everyday life at work, in class, with your friends, with your family, be a bold witness. Don't be ashamed to tell people about Jesus. Own the mission. We have huddles here, discipleship groups. You could join a huddle and be discipled. You could give. You could give to the mission. You could give financially. You could give of your time. You could give your talents. You could serve on Sundays. We have several teams that, that do things here to make Sunday mornings happen. You could serve in that capacity. We're going to need more volunteers, more leaders to step up, to be released into leadership. So you could serve in that capacity. Or you could get into a missional community. We're going to start our missional communities back the week of the 18th, August 18th. So... That brings me to my last point, my third point, is that our vision unites us. So the reason that we have come up with a mission statement, our mission statement is to, to make, to mature, and to mobilize disciples. The reason that we have a mission statement, the reason that we have core values, the reason that we, we have three streams of ministry, gatherings, huddles, and missional communities, all of that is going back to that passage that we read in Ephesians. To equip the saints for the work of the ministry. It's not so that the, the professionals can do it. These are all equipping things. Vision, that's, that's vision. Vision unites us. It gets us going all in the same direction. I love to compare vision to a shotgun barrel. Okay? Does anybody know what happens if you saw the barrel off of a shotgun and you shoot it at a target that's about 50 feet away? What happens? Spreads out. You might have a couple, piece, couple BBs, a few pieces of shot reach your target. Maybe. Right? But the barrel, the barrel works to move the shot in the same trajectory so that when the shot leaves the gun, it's clustered together, moving in the same trajectory. And as a result, those individual pieces of shot impact the target together. And when that happens, the target is impacted a lot more, right, than just a few pieces. 
Well, that's how vision works. So we all have talents. We all have gifts. We all have things that we can offer to the kingdom. And vision unites us. It's like the barrel of a shotgun. It gets us all going in the same direction so that we have a common target and so that we can hit the target, so that we can make the most impact for the kingdom of God. So what's our target? Disciples. We dream of filling southern Vermont with disciples of Jesus. And that's our target. It's real simple, and it's based on Scripture. And then we have these, this vision. We have this vision. We, we believe that if we instill these certain core values... We, We believe that if we instill the value to be gospel-centered, gospel-focused, the value to make disciples, the value to be on mission, to live missionally, live life like you're a missionary, to commit to community, to give generously, and to intentionally develop leaders. If we instill these values, then we do believe that we will accomplish the mission. We believe that if every disciple really gets these values burned into their DNA, that we'll be healthy, productive, disciple-making disciples. And if we do that, if every one of us does that, that's, that's movement-starting stuff right there. We all get serious about making disciples. That's movement stuff. And so, this is our vision. And then we say that we instill those values through the three streams of ministry. Through gatherings, through missional communities, and through huddles. So you, you come, you hear a sermon, you, you, you invite someone else to, you, you worship, you're, you're being challenged to, to be centered on the gospel, you're being reminded of the gospel, you're seeing how the gospel comes to bear on every part of your life, you're being challenged to live a life more generously. And then in huddles, we're, we're making disciples and we're learning how to make disciples in the process. We're growing in maturity as disciples. And we're also developing leaders in the huddles. And in missional community, we're, we're really committing to each other as a family. We're, we're developing community, and we are learning to live on mission together. So these three streams are where we instill these core values. All right, so... I don't know about you, but I believe we are going to see Southern Vermont filled with disciples of Jesus. I really believe that. And so, okay, here's, here's where we're going in the recent, in the near future. Um, school is going to be starting back up in September, and when school starts back up, we expect to see a considerable amount of growth. Um, you know, back in the spring, we had gatherings 
over 100 people a couple times. Um, and so we're expecting that, I mean, it's just kind of the way it works in the summer. Everybody's kind of gone, and so um, we, we expect that, and we're going we're gonna to leverage that to reach more people with the gospel. We're going to send out another mailer, and we're going to ask you guys to get, get back out there again and, and invite people. You do an awesome job of that. I mean, the biggest, the biggest Sundays that we've had, were, and, and I'm not just talking about in numbers. I'm talking about like lasting fruit where people got saved and, got, and started getting discipled. I'm talking about like real lasting fruit has come out of you guys just getting serious about, about inviting people. And so um, that's not all that there is to making disciples. I mean, that's just one little tiny thing. But that's an evangelistic thing that you can do to help bring people into the kingdom so they can come, they can hear the gospel. So we're going we're gonna to push for that again. We're going to hand out invite cards for like three weeks leading up to that so that you can take them. And, um, and like I said, a mailer. And we'll think of this, that'll be September 22nd, that that will all start. So that's elementary school starting back late, so we're kind of doing it later in September. So we want to think of this as like a relaunch, like we're starting from scratch, because when we do that, we, we go and invite some people that we've already invited, but they didn't come, right? This is, we go back and we just say, hey, you know, I know you, you didn't come last time, but I just want to invite you again. Give them another chance. So we're going to look at that as if we're, we're relaunching. We want to think, all right, well, what would I do? If we're just starting from scratch. We're just going to, we're just going to invite everyone we can. Um, so between now and then, we're going to be building some momentum. Like we said, August uh, 11th, we're going to do baptisms at the lake. And it's going to be so cool. We went and checked it out. And I mean, it is going to be beautiful. Like, you know that big tree that hangs over right there at the boat at the boat ramp? You know what I'm talking about? Oh, so awesome. So somewhere right under there. Um, we're going to be baptizing. Um, we'll have food, which I know for some of you, you're like, all right, I'm in. I wasn't sure, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, food, okay. Um, so we're going to have food. It's going to be, uh, you know, a celebration. Baptism is a celebration. I mean, this is... People coming into the family of God. So um, we're going to celebrate. We're going to have, you know, there will be a short message that morning and some music. Um, August 18th, so the Sunday after that, there's going to be food again. Yeah. We are, now you're like, yeah. I love the mission here. This is awesome. <laughs> We're going we're gonna to cater that meal. Um, that meal is going to be a leadership lunch. So we're, what that's for is anyone who is serving in any way or has served in any way or is interested in serving in the future. So that should be pretty much everyone, right? You'll just hang around and we'll set up some tables, some chairs, and we're going to have a good time. I mean, we're, it's just going to be fun and relaxed, um, and we're going to talk about opportunities to serve. We just want to show our appreciation for you. So uh, that one 
is going to be the 18th. And that's the week that we are also going to start our missional communities back. So, yes. Okay. Okay. What time does that start? Uh, raise your hand if you're going to be involved in that. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. That's good to know. Well, it. Stay tuned in case we we got to change the date for that then. Um, yeah, yeah. We could get like a Valleytown Derby car. Yeah. <laughs> wow, man, that's all it took, huh? That's. I could have just started with that and ended with that. Valleytown Derby car. All right, so, so yeah, we'll, we'll let you know. Um, that's why it is important to fill out those Connect cards if you haven't. We, we don't, like, fill up your... I mean, mostly you don't check your email anyway, right? So, I mean, what's the big deal if you give us your email address? Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, but we do need to be able to stay in touch with you to keep you informed. Um, on what's coming up. So I want us to be excited. I just wanted to fill you in on kind of some things coming up. And, um, and I do want you to think about and pray about serving, especially right now we have a lot of needs um, on Sunday mornings. We're, and, as, and as we grow into September, we're going to have a lot more of those needs. So pray about that. Um, and think about that. We also very well may be going to two gatherings. Um, if I mean, we've been praying for a, a larger building because when we do have the big crowds show up, we're totally slammed in here. So we, we could go to a, another gathering, one at 9.30 and another at 11, and it would double our size, our capacity to seat people, our capacity to have the, the kids in there. And, um, and the cool thing about it, one of the cool things about that is if you serve as a uh, kid's helper, you can come, you can serve one of the gatherings and then be present in here, worship for the, the other one. So that's really cool. Um, all right, let me pray. Sorry that was kind of into that kind of little business sounding, but I just want you guys to be thinking about and excited about what God's doing here and where we're headed. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for uh, what you are doing here in the valley. Thank you for the people that you are reaching with the good news of Jesus. Lord, um, we pray that you would reach more. We pray that your kingdom would go forth. We pray that... um, Dead hearts would be made alive. God, we we thank you for the gospel. We thank you that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I I pray, Lord, that that would would 
motivate us, that we would get excited about that, and uh, that we would not forget that we have been brought to life through Jesus. We thank you for that, and we worship you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.